Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Drew Shelley, one of the pastors here. It is our hope and prayer that the message you hear today will help you connect deeply with the love of God we know in Jesus. Also, we'd love to connect with you so that we can share life and faith together. If you'd like more information about this church family, or if you want us to contact you, you can visit our website, fumcm.org, or you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at FUMC Borough. If you're looking for a place to belong, we have that place for you in one of our classes or small groups, as a part of one of our mission teams, or in either our modern or traditional worship services, which both meet at 1015 on Sunday mornings. First United Methodist Church is a warm and welcoming community of people committed to the idea of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. We hope this week's message helps you in your own personal journey towards knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in your life. Our gospel lesson this morning is from Luke's gospel. It is the first chapter, the uh, 57th through the 79th verses. It is the story of the birth, not of Jesus, but of his cousin, John the Baptist. And so we start here for our Advent journey. Let us hear the word of God. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. Remember, Zechariah had been struck mute by the angel earlier in the story. So they gave Zechariah a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people 
by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You probably already know this, but uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were proud members of the too hold to have a baby without angelic intervention club in the scriptures, okay? There were a lot of people in the scriptures who were members of that club. We know lots of other folks, too, who have walked that walk, don't we? Many of you know those folks. You may be those folks. Shannon and I had been married for 12 years before little Miss Annabelle came into our lives. Our very happy life was punctuated by many tear-filled seasons of despair, lots of trips to the doctor, and those hopeful moments always met with that constant refrain, no, not this time, not this time, not yet, no, no, no. It is a very personal thing that we kept quiet for a long time, even from our own families. We decided in the midst of that that we wouldn't take any special measures. We just thought we'll just make peace with the fact that God might have something else in mind for us. There was a time when I had to try to outmaneuver Shannon. I thought she was going to open an orphanage in our parsonage at Crossville (laughs) since we couldn't have any children of our own. And yet, For over a decade, people always asked, kept asking, well-meaning people, when are you going to have a baby? Don't you want to have a baby? Wouldn't you like to have a baby? Have you thought about having a baby? You're getting a little bit old. Better hurry up and have a baby. Aren't you afraid you're getting too old to have a baby? (laughs) Yes, for Pete's sake, yes. We know. We know. We're doing all we can, and it's not working. It's not working. I was preaching a revival at a little church in Cumberland County out in the country, and their loose cannon song leader was to introduce me to the congregation after the singing part of the service. The singing is different from singing. What you hear is singing. This was singing that we heard there, and it was different. Uh, So he got up and told everybody who I was, and he said, I was married to a local girl, Shannon Franklin, beautiful Shannon Franklin. He said... He said, they have no children, just like that. (laughs) They have no children. And then he turned and looked at me right in front of God and everybody and said, what's wrong with you, boy? I thought about trying to drown him in the baptistry, but felt like that was not the (laughs) appropriate thing to do. He was a lot bigger than I was. I wish, I wish that I had said what I thought of later. I wish I had turned to him and said, well... Let me just tell you, Sam, what's wrong with me is something called low motility and the stress of being a pastor to people like yourself. That's what's wrong with me. That's what's wrong with me. I wish I had said that. I wish I had. But I didn't say that. I kept it together, and uh, we cried all the way home. What is wrong with you, boy? I want you to imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth. They want a baby more than anything in the whole world. They have been praying. 
They are faithful, righteous servants of God. His name, Zechariah's name, means God remembers. Elizabeth's name means God keeps promises. These are faithful people. They have prayed forever for a child, and nothing has happened, but they have remained faithful, faithful to their work and to their prayers. They are a symbol of God's people, waiting, praying for God to deliver them. They live in the valley of the shadow of death. They are Isaiah 9 people. Do you know about Isaiah 9 people? People who walk in darkness will see a great light. They are experts, experts at hoping. That's who they are, experts at hoping. They know about hope with some toughness in it. It is that kind of hope that settles down into your soul in a very deep place where you know, you just know everything is going to be all right. It's just going to take a very, very, very long time to get there. They know about hope with some toughness in it. It is, it is the kind of hope carried by parents of adult children who suffer with addiction. You hear it in their words, I just had to give him to God. I just had to give him to God. I am hopeful for her recovery, but I know we're getting ready to meet our friend relapse before this is all over. You know these folks, don't you? You know about these folks. They just carry on with courage and boldness, raising grandchildren, going back to work to have enough money to pay for rehab, cashing out their retirement to make it all work together, starting over again and again and again. These, these are Isaiah 9 people. It is that hope that settles in your soul. It is the bedrock, the bedrock of your personhood. There is nothing flashy about it, nothing fast either. Sometimes we wonder, has the light of hope, has the light of hope just gone out? No, no. These people know it has just settled into a, a slow burn. Their eyes have adjusted. They have learned to see God's goodness even in the dark. That's who they are. The people of God are waiting hoping, trusting that God is going to act according to God's promise to Abraham. In you, God says, I will bless all the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth. All right, God, do something. The world is falling apart all around us. Do something. Would you just do something, please, God? It's time. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. But thy will be done, not ours. Thy will be done. Zechariah hears it first. The angel says, you and your wife will bear a son. You will name him John. You will have joy and gladness. And many people will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before them to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah hears this and is struck mute 
because he asks too many questions of the angel, including, excuse me, Mr. Angel, do you know how old we are? (laughs) Do you know? Are you sure about this baby? Nine months later, Elizabeth gives birth. The world rejoices. There is this tense moment. Old Zechariah can't speak for himself. The family wants to call the baby Zechariah Jr. Mama says, no, his name is John. They don't like her answer. They turn back to Zechariah. He gets out his writing tablet and he says, listen to the woman. His name is John. John means God is gracious. God is gracious. Immediately, Zechariah speaks and the world hears God's praises He is filled with the Holy Spirit. He becomes prophet. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Blessed be. For he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us, just like he said he would in the house of his servant David, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant that we, once rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Zechariah announces that something is happening to the very fabric of the universe. His boy, John, will prepare the way for the Lord, who is bringing mercy, salvation, forgiveness, the light of dawn, and that word that we all hunger for, that we love so much, peace. Peace with God, peace with each other, and a peace that seeks the well-being of all, all people. Zechariah speaks these words into a kind of despair that we will probably never fully understand, but he doesn't curse the despair. He speaks hope into it. I remember not too long after that rather unfortunate uh, incident at the revival, Shannon and I were praying at the altar one Sunday morning while everyone was receiving communion. We were way over to the side, just praying, not about a baby, not about anything, not about anything in particular, really. And a man called Ed came and stood behind us. He surprised us. He prayed for us. The tears in his eyes and the quiver in his voice shocked us. He prayed for us to have a baby. And we did. Just like that. Just like that. We probably should have named her Ed, but she didn't look like an Ed. (laughs) I wonder how many times, how many times do we 
look at the world and say, God, do something, please, do something now. The truth is, God has done something. God sent John to prepare the way. Then God came to us in Jesus, opened the door to this beautiful new creation in which we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. And just like that, God sends us. Not to curse the despair, but to speak hope into it with our words and especially with our lives. May the light of your hope be turned up this Advent season. The world cannot always see God's goodness in the dark. But you can. You can. You who follow Jesus are experts in hope, the kind with toughness in it. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for your hope. We thank you for these stories of old that settle us into our journey to the manger. Help us, oh God, to be people of hope. We confess we're like that man who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We want to say, Lord, I hope, help my despair. They go together and somehow your Holy Spirit brings strength to our hope, brings peace to our struggle not so we can keep it for ourselves, but so that we can share it with the world around us. Oh God, we give you thanks that you are with us. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. <music>